the devil, Lucifer, good angel gone bad, whatever you call him, today we're going to shine some light on Satan. Satan, the angel who fell from heaven because he thought he was better than God. He got too big for his britches, but he wasn't always evil. He actually was one of God's favorites, and he was very highly favored. And many believe that he was actually in charge of worship. He was like the greatest worship leader of all time in heaven. But we know him as the complete opposite of God. We know him as the epitome of all evil and sin. If you were raised in the church, you probably didn't talk about Satan much. I mean, sure, yeah, we all learned that he was bad, God was good, that God's more powerful, of course, and has defeated evil, and one day we're going to see God defeat all evilness forever, and we're going to live with him in heaven. But I don't think we give Satan enough credit. <laughs> I know there's some people rolling in their graves right now by me saying that, but let's think about it. When was the last time you really thought about Satan's power in your life and analyzed it? Because he does indeed have power over you. We are no match for Satan on our own. It is only with God that we can overcome whatever the devil throws at us. And he does throw it at us hard. He's always trying to harm us. He's trying to confuse us, exhaust us. I mean, you can be all big, bad, mighty all you want, but you're never, ever going to win a battle against Satan and his demonic army without the Lord. We're just no match for Satan on our own. He's much more powerful. He's smarter. He's deceitful. He's more enticing than we think. Everything in your life is a spiritual battle. Everything. Every area of your life, it's all a spiritual battle. There are demons. There is black magic. There's all those kinds of crazy things. Just because you don't know a lot about it or don't think it's real doesn't mean that it isn't. There's, you know, evidence. There are demonic powers and evidence of Satan, and I guess we can call them his minions. I don't know. But it is real. There is a spiritual realm, and I think, you know, spiritual matters in the church can sometimes feel a little hokey. You know, I grew up in a charismatic Pentecostal church. I was raised like Assemblies of God, Church of God. So I, I grew up being around people speaking in tongues and, you know, falling out in the spirit at an altar call. So I'm used to that. I'm not weirded out by that. So, I mean, because of that, you know, I'm definitely more comfortable talking about spiritual things. But unless you've been raised in that setting, you probably are weirded out by it. And that's okay. You know, we don't have to have all the answers. We just need to know the basics so that we can equip ourselves against principalities of darkness. Because there is light and darkness. There is good versus evil. There is right and wrong. So that's exactly what we're going to talk about. We're going to dissect how Satan works in our lives. We're going to talk about this so that we can turn this knowledge about our enemy into a weapon that we can use against his powers. There's nothing that just happens in your life that God or Satan just don't know about. God knows all. He sees all. 
Now, Satan doesn't have the power that God has, but he definitely knows you pretty well, too. He knows your weaknesses. Uh, he knows, you know, the buttons to push. So you better know your weaknesses, too, because you got to look at everything in your life that the devil's going to try to use against you and use it as your own weapon. Right? We can't cower because we're afraid, but we also can't ignore or be indifferent towards Satan. Because let me tell you, as soon as you turn your back on him, he's looking for another way to come after you. You've got to always keep him at arm's length. And how you do that is through your daily walk with the Lord and understanding that every area in your life is set on a spiritual battleground. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So how does Satan work in our lives? Well, first off, he makes you forget your identity. <laughs> Man, y'all, I could be a totally different Brittany without the Lord. You know, we probably all could be, because when you decide to say yes to the Lord and you lay your life down as a sacrifice to follow him all your days, you're going to make decisions in your future that are not necessarily the decisions you yourself want to make, but they're decisions that you know are right and they're glorifying to God. Right? We're just selfish human creatures. We're just selfish creatures. Right? You know, sometimes it's just not even like it could be this tiny little white lie. But it's still wrong. It's still a sin. You know, we're not ever going to be perfect. We're not ever going to be God. We're not ever going to live up to the way he is and his perfection. But there's a lot of decisions we make as followers of Christ that we probably would not normally make if we were not in God. And that's just because we live in a world and we live in a society where, you know, there's just so many things that you can get involved in. And, you know, they're all enticing. They're all fun temporarily. They all have their glitz and glamour to them. But it's all just a facade. It doesn't mean that you're going to like all the decisions that you're going to make, <clears throat> right? Like, we naturally tend to want to do things out of selfish ambition, right? Whatever our human nature is, that's kind of what's ingrained in us. And so godliness and trying to be pure, trying to be good, trying to be holy, trying to be more like Jesus, that's not our natural state. That's not our uh, first choice or tendency in how to act. So just because you say, Lord, here's my life and I want to live for you and use me, God, you're going to have to daily die you're going to have to die daily to your selfishness, to, you know, maybe those things that you think or you do that really are not good or sinful in God's eyes, right? Like for me, I'm a very social person. In college, I like to hang out with all my friends. I was in a sorority. You know, it was all about those relationships and the, you know, um, social aspect of college and partying and and drinking and, and doing this doing that going out with your friends and it's like if we're not careful though like 
I don't think, I personally don't think drinking alcohol is a sin. I don't think alcohol is a sin. I think it can turn into a sin and it can be something that is a very sinful um, part of your life if you don't do things in moderation. I mean, that's a whole other topic. But my point being, I don't think drinking alcohol is bad, right? But the choices you make around drinking alcohol, how you act when you're on alcohol, making sure that you are not seeking to get drunk. Because it does say in the Bible that if you are trying to get drunk, that is a sin, right? Drinking is not a sin, but trying to get drunk is a sin, right? Drunkenness is a sin. And so it's kind of like Satan can kind of just blur those lines a little bit for you. And you have to make choices. You know, am I going to do the godly right thing? Am I going to do something that you know, is pleasing in the Lord's eye, or am I going to do what I want to do, right? Because, you know, if you're like me, a lot of the time, what I want to do is not pleasing to God. It's not what God would have me to do. And so Satan can cause you to lose your identity. He can cause you to want to be the person that you were born into and not become the person that God has for you. And, you know, that can be a really sticky place. And it's a very easy place to fall into. And that's why it's important that we have to keep our actions at the forefront of our mind, right? We have to have a close relationship with the Lord so that we're not swayed back and forth or pulled away because, you know, sin is fun, right? Going out with friends and doing things that aren't necessarily pleasing to the Lord, that's fun, right? That's why people do it. But you have to remember who you are and it's not an easy thing and you're not always going to get it right and you're going to have to ask for the Lord's forgiveness and he's going to give it to you every time. But we have to make a conscious effort to remember, to remind ourselves who we are and who we are in God because who you are in, in natural today, everyday reality world, that's not who you are in God, right? You are a completely different being when you are in God's will under God's power when you're following him and applying his principles and his character to your life and aspiring to be like that that is a completely different person than who you are in the world and Satan knows that and so he's going to try to you know linger something in front of you to get you to be that worldly person and not the godly person but he makes you forget who you are. And not just, you know, making godly decisions and making ungodly decisions. He can make you forget whose you are when you're in the middle of a struggle. When you're in the middle of a storm and you are just freaking out, you're stressed out, your life is just falling apart. We can just sit there and we can rely on those emotions. And we forget that we are the Lord's. You're a child of God. And when you call upon him, he comes and saves you. And so it doesn't matter what you're walking through, what you're going through. You're in his hands. And if we forget that, we just get ourselves all wrapped up in all of this despair and all of these unhealthy emotions. Knowing your identity in Jesus Christ is enough sometimes. It really is the peace that calms the storm. Satan also makes you forget your miracles. This is kind of something that I feel like I'm going through right now. 
You know, when I had my liver transplant and I woke up from surgery, all I could think about, I was just overwhelmed with just the goodness of God. That's all I could think about. <laughs> I was just literally on cloud nine. I felt so thankful. I just, I, I saw the goodness of God tangibly. Like it became so real to me. It wasn't just a song that we sing. And I had seen his hand in every tiny detail over everything that happened leading up to that, that operation. You know, I remember being in the hospital room and I thought, man, my life has changed. Like, oh my gosh, I'm just going to preach about the goodness of God. And I'm just so energized. And I just, I'm on top of the world with this. And I was for a good few weeks, a few months. And then I came back home. I got back into my new routine, my new normal, and life happened again. And it's like Satan has this way of just throwing life at you. He just dumps all of this stuff back on you. I just remember thinking in that hospital room, man, nothing's going to bring me down from this. Like every day I'm going to wake up, I'm going to be thankful and I'm going to, you know, remember the goodness of God. And what? That lasted two months. You know, don't get me wrong. I still am very thankful. I still wake up and I praise the Lord and I thank him for his blessings and his hand on my life. But the stress of life has come back. And stress of life, life stress can often blind us and make us forget the miracles that God has put into our life, the good things that God has done. And I think Satan likes to pile all of that on. He likes to pile things on, get you back frustrated with your job, get you back stressed out because of your child's schedule, get you back arguing with your spouse. It's like, it's almost like we're in this protected space when God blesses us. And then, you know, the next, you know, 24 hours or whatever, we're living on that high and then bam, life, life comes knocking again. You know, and it, it reminds me of that song, Glory to Glory. Because that's what life is, isn't it? Especially with the Lord. It's like your life is just going to be this roller coaster, I think. You know, there's going to be good things that happen. There's going to be bad things that happen. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're just some fairy that flies around and gets all perfection. You know, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that, you know, you live this perfect life and you never have any problems. In fact, I would argue that the opposite is true. Why? Because it's a spiritual battle. Your spiritual life is constantly being fought for, right? Sometimes it's Satan coming against you. Sometimes it's God cleaning up your mess. You know, it's like there is a constant battle for you and your soul. And if, if Satan can get you to forget what God has done in your life, then he's got you one step towards him. And so, you know, we just have to always remind ourselves of God's goodness. And even if God was good to you last year, maybe this year is a little rough, you got to rely on the memories of last year. Because what, you, what happened to you was real, right? What happened to me was real, right? I don't have liver issues anymore. My days might not all be sunshine and butterflies, but God is still good no matter what you feel. We got to be thankful continuously 
Because again, if Satan can get your mind set, if he can get control of your mind, then that's half the battle right there. Satan loves to talk you out of things or talk you into things. John 8:44 says there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan is so good at at deceiving us. He really uses our thoughts a lot of the time to get us off track. You know, and even in the Bible, it talks about how when you have those thoughts that come, you gotta, you've got to grab them and you've got to take hold of those thoughts. And especially if you know that the Lord has given you a word about your future or something that you know in your heart is from him that he's telling you to do, don't be surprised and almost expect this to happen because it will. You're going to start to have thoughts of doubt. You're going to start to realize that you are trying to talk yourself out of something. And so, you know, at least I know that's the case for me. When I feel like God's telling me to do something, I'll immediately start analyzing it or questioning it. Or, you know, is that me? Is that you, God? Or is that me? You know, and it's like you just got to walk out in faith. Because one of two things is going to happen. The Lord's going to open the door. Or he's going to close the door. And if he closes the door, he's going to direct you to a different path where there's another door. Right? I feel like your faith is all about just walking until doors open or close. There's going to be hardship. The harder things get, the more you know you're getting closer to doing something for God and being obedient for him. Because, you know, I, I find it true you know, everybody has struggle. Everybody has, you know, life happens, right? But I think for people that are walking close to the Lord, sometimes they have maybe different kind of battles or, you know, it's like you feel like you have one battle after another. And I think it's just because there's something going on there. You know, if you've been given a word from the Lord and you know it's from him, about your future, about something that you know in your heart that he's telling you to do, and you find yourself being uh, disobedient or doubting that, I would almost guarantee you that Satan's involved in that. Our thoughts dictate so much of our life, right? I mean, you think about something before you do it most of the time, or you do it and then you think about it. Either way, your mind is in on all of your life's decisions. But see, there's a there's something that happens when you feel like God has a calling on your life and you start to question it. You start to doubt it. You start to fear it. If you start to do those things, let that be confidence for you because there's obviously a reason that those thoughts are occurring, right? Because think about it, right? Like if Jesus showed up in your house right now and he said, okay, I want you to do this and this is where I want you to go and this is how I want you to do it. What would you do? You'd probably run to him, right? You'd grab a hold of him. You'd hug him. 
you'd say, yes, Jesus, I'll do it. Like, I'll do it. I'll, whatever you want me to do, tell me when, how, where, like I'm there, right? You would not sit there and question and, okay, what about this God? And, but I'm just really not this God and blah, blah, blah. No, you'd run to him and you'd say, thank you. Thank you that you chose me and God, I'm going to do it. So just show me the way. That's what we would do, right? We would obey immediately. But yet when we get a word from the Lord, right? And, and you know in your spirit when it's from the Lord. You just know, right? For me, my heart pounds. My face gets red. Half of the time, I'm like, no, God, I don't want to do this. So I'm uncomfortable, right? I know when it's from the Lord. And in your spirit, you know when it's from the Lord. And then right immediately after that, these thoughts start coming. They start flowing in, thoughts of doubt and fear, right? Uncertainty. Oh, God, but I need to know more information. Or no, I'm going to wait and I'm going to pray about it because I don't know. you got to take that step. Because Satan knows that if he can get in your thoughts and keep you from taking that first step, you're probably never going to take the second step and the third step and the fourth step. He likes to talk us out of things. So don't listen to him. Satan loves to distract you. Oh boy, man. You know, it's like, there's so many things that distract us these days, right? I mean, not just social media and TV and all that, but like just being busy, you know? I think it's so true. Like Satan doesn't have to throw all these problems at you. If he can make you busy, he's got you. Busyness has become a trap for us. You know, busyness causes us to forget the priorities, the focuses, the things that matter. And we get all in this whirlwind of stress when really it's like, does any of this really matter? Like we've got to devote our time. You only have a certain amount of time, right? Are we intentional with that time? Or are we wasteful and we're busy because it's something that we think has to happen because it's the way we've always done it? Or are you people-pleasing somebody, right? The best example I can think of right now is Christmas. Goodness. If you are freaking out right now, if me just saying the word Christmas gives you anxiety, then chances are you probably have forgotten the real meaning of Christmas. Christmas is not meant to be some hustle-bustle kind of holiday, like, yes, our society, you know, it's all about Santa Claus and presents. But for Christians, it's the birthday of Jesus. But whether you're a Christian or not, we all can agree that Christmas is about the season of love. It's about love, right? Whether you believe in God and believe that he sent Jesus to be born on December 25th, that's the ultimate picture of love. Or you don't believe in that and you say, well, I love being with my family and Christmas is a wonderful time to spend with others. Still, the denominator remains, it's love. But see, I think Christmas has turned into this distracting event where instead about it being about love and about, you know, spending time with people and being generous and how we give, it's about how many gifts we receive and not how many gifts we're giving. 
It's about us. It's about me, me, me. It's about what's convenient. It's about what's fun. We dread family coming into town because half of the family we don't like, or there's that weird uncle that nobody likes, or now you got to clean the house and you're stressed out because you're hosting people, or you got to buy your kids, teachers, all these gifts and go to all these parties and do all these ornament exchanges. And it's become this chaotic, you know, month instead of what it's really meant to be. And it's about love. It's supposed to be a time where we look and we see the most incredible gift that we'll never be able to truly understand. Jesus coming to earth, doing what he did, right? Nobody looked at that baby in the manger and thought, oh, he's going to sacrifice himself for us. Nobody knew that was going to happen. Nobody knew the barbaric way of death he would have to go through. Christmas is supposed to be an end of the year event where we can look back on all the months from January to December and be thankful for what happened in our lives. And it could be the only time that you see some friends and family all year long. But yet we get caught up, we get distracted in things that really don't matter. It should be about the generosity of giving a gift to someone that maybe doesn't normally get anything. Maybe they struggle all year long, but hey, I can receive something right now. It's about giving things to people that you know they would enjoy because you love them and you thought about them with this gift. Not about just giving a gift because Oh, it's what we do. And if I get this gift for this person over here, I got to get this gift for this person over there. It's not about how much money is spent, right? I mean, we even get distracted with kids. Like some kids are getting 30 gifts and, you know, hundreds of dollars spent on them. And then over here, you've got a kid that's got maybe one gift that's $10. Like, really? Is that what we think about? That Christmas is only about our family, our circle of friends. We have an opportunity to impact our communities and the people around us. But yet we get distracted by this societal holiday. We become selfish. But if we don't keep our eyes on the Lord, you see, Satan's got the world. He's already got them wrapped around his finger. It's just we're living in a world of sin. And it's like, what was right is now seen as wrong, and what's wrong is now seen as right. You know, it talks in the Bible about that. But see, Satan doesn't have to distract people that don't follow the Lord, because they're already living the way he wants them to live. Satan loves to make a mountain out of a molehill in your life. He can convince you that the issue is way worse than it is. Maybe you just have some small marital issues, right? We all deal with that. you got to work on your marriage, right? Intimacy comes and goes, right? And those are just normal issues that we all have. But then before you know it, you're like ready to start looking for a divorce lawyer. And you're talking to your girlfriends about how I can't be with them anymore. Like, really? When it was just a small little argument you had? Satan can get in there. He's like a sneaky snake. You, you leave any tiny crack in your life, he's going to squeeze his way in there. And you don't realize that he's in there until he's completely wreaked havoc on your life. Satan confuses you into thinking that it's you that's the problem. 
He's so good at like sneaking into things. He's so good at manipulating our thoughts. We can be real down on ourselves real quick. He can push your buttons in a way that causes you to treat someone with disrespect when you normally wouldn't do that. He's done a good job at making us very intolerant of one another. And if we're not careful, we can look at ourselves and see the mistakes we make. And yes, we're human, we're sinners, we need God's forgiveness and his salvation all the time, all the days of our life. But there's something that happens when he confuses you into thinking that you're the problem, because then you turn your attention to yourself and the things that you're doing right or doing wrong, and instead it gets the focus off of him and his manipulation over your life. And instead of making it a spiritual battle, realizing it's a spiritual battle, he wants to make it be a personal battle. And all the while you're sitting here looking at yourself and judging yourself and doing all of this self-hate when he is still on the other side, continuing to manipulate things. And instead of sitting there and rebuking him, and standing up against him and using the power of God within us to put him back in his place, we're over here tearing ourselves down. And again, we're distracted. You know that you're not a perfect person. You know the mistakes you've made. We all have regrets. But when you come into the Lord, God washes all of that away. It's like a clean slate. So when you start to have thoughts against yourself, right? Maybe it's suicide. That's a big thing that we see today. I'll be honest, I've had thoughts about it. It's very real. And sometimes it happens to the people that you least expect. That's Satan behind that. He confuses people into thinking that they're the problem and that their world would be better without them. Their family, their friends, life would be better without them. And that's not true. That will never be true. You will never ever do anything bad enough to make that true. It's all confusion in your head and it's a spiritual battle and you've got to take hold of that. You've got to give it to the Lord and you've got to realize who you are, whose you are, that it's in fact not you that's the problem, that it's Satan that's the problem. And when you can twist that back around on him, the Lord's going to give you strength and he's going to give you power to overcome those thoughts. He makes a mountain out of a molehill. So again, when you start to have those thoughts, it's hard to do. It's so hard to do, but you've got to capture those thoughts. And, you know, you can have very real emotions with that. But then you just say, God, I'm going to give this to you. Help me. Help me. You know, it doesn't mean that you don't have those feelings and emotions. But what you do with those feelings and emotions That is a battle that you have to fight. Satan tricks you into thinking that you're doing the right thing. 2 Corinthians 11.14 says, For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. You know, it's so funny because I feel like when you see any kind of depiction of Satan, the devil, in movies and and TV shows, It's always like this little red horned creature. 
And I don't know what Satan looks like. None of us know what Satan looks like. But I think he is actually more beautiful of a creature. I don't think that he's some, you know, red little devil. I think that's some cartoonist that came up with that. And everybody just got behind that because nobody knows. You know, kind of like how Jesus is this white brunette. <laughs> this white guy with brown hair. Like, Jesus probably more accurately looks like a Arab. He probably looks, he probably looked like somebody from Al-Qaeda. I mean, come on, let's, like, hello, he's from around that area. So, you know, again, it's just about how things are depicted in society. But I think Satan is a beautiful creature. Because, just think about it, like, he's sly, he's smart. He doesn't always just bring negative things into view. Sometimes he wraps you up in sin because it looks fun and it looks pretty. He's just this debonair, you know, got this swag about him. And he's enticing. I mean, no, everybody's going to run away from something that scares them. But Satan does a good job of making it look like it's something you would enjoy. He knows how to catch bees with honey, but then that honey turns to vinegar real quick. Right? He's like the Venus flytrapper plant. You know, he's he knows how to trap you. He knows. He can trick you into doing what you think is the right thing, but he knows it's the wrong thing for you. You have to you have to always be on alert with him. And when you start to see something that in your spirit you feel like this is a spiritual attack, then yes, it definitely is a spiritual attack. He disguises himself to whatever situation he's trying to draw you into. You know, he, he's not always that little red-horned creature. Sometimes he looks like love but you don't realize until later that it's not real true love. Sometimes he looks like accomplishment, achievement. Sometimes he looks like forgiveness, but it's really a secret you're trying to keep. He can morph himself into anything, and that's how he tricks you. Satan attacks your faith and primarily your relationship with God. I'm going to say something that you probably have never heard. <laughs> you might not agree with me. Sometimes being a Christian is exhausting. It's exhausting. And you say, well, Brittany, if you're doing it the right way and doing things for the right reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Yes, you get your strength from the Lord. And if you're not doing things for the right reason, yeah, and you're you're striving out of your own self and your own strength, or really striving at all, uh, yeah, you're going to get tired real quick. You're going to get run down real quick. I'm not talking about that necessarily. More so, you know, I find, if I'm honest, that even doing, you know, things like reading my Bible and 
going to church and spending quiet time, having my own, you know, individual devotions with, with the Lord, time with the Lord. It's like, even that's exhausting sometimes. (laughs) And you may have never heard anybody say that, but I just want to be real because I've been a Christian most of my life. I was saved and baptized uh, as a little girl. And, you know, I, I've, I've been a Christian my whole life and I've had moments of being close with him. I've had moments of being far away from him. But it's like, it's just exhausting. And I think it's exhausting because of the world we live in. You know, it's like being a Christian in this society, you're literally a fish swimming upstream. You're not going with the flow of every other person, you know, people that are non-Christians in the world. You know, a Christian person, if you look at like a Christian, their life versus somebody that's you know, doesn't want to have anything to do with God and doesn't believe in God. Like, it's not that one's better than the other. Of course not. But the way they live their life is completely different. It's opposite. Right? Because we live in a world that is full of sin and evil. And that's the whole reason why you have to be saved and receive God's salvation and forgiveness. Because we're born into that. We're born into this world that way. And so... Everything around us is to satisfy that sin, that everything around us is to satisfy our innate human nature. And your human nature is not the person God has for you to be when you become saved. And so you're constantly fighting this tug of war where it's like, I know what I should do and I know what I really kind of want to do. And, you know... There's a lot of people that think being a Christian is just this boring, you don't get to do anything fun. That's not true. Let me tell you, that's not true. Um, And and here's also a newsflash for you. Sometimes those fun things seem fun to you at the beginning, and then you realize they completely ruin your life. So don't approach everything that, oh, it's fun. I'm going to do it. It's good for me. That's not true either. But, you know, there are sacrifices you have to make, and there's only sacrifices because we live in a world where it's like the way of God is quite often different. It's quite often opposite. It's like opposite day up in here. Like, you know, it's just God is is someone that teaches us to be about others and to love and serve others. And our our world is about loving and serving me, loving and serving you. Right? it's about ourselves. And, you know, hello, that's opposite. So I say that it's exhausting, not because I'm trying to strive for anything. That's not who God is. If you find yourself striving to be accepted by God and to be the perfect Christian, let me just tell you, stop. Stop. You're wasting your time. That's not who God is. He loves and accepts you before you ever reach out to him. He's known you all the days of your life. And he's accepted you all those days. And so it's not about striving. It's literally about receiving his free gift. But we can think that we have to strive. We can think that, you know, oh my gosh, this life is so hard, you know, being a Christian, because Satan attacks those areas in our life. He attacks your faith. He wants you to question God. He wants you to doubt God. He wants you to stop doing things that nurture your relationship with God. He wants you to find the Bible boring. He wants you to not be able to pray comfortably. He wants you to enjoy sleeping in on a Sunday more than going to church on a Sunday. 
I mean, he wants all those things. You know, none of those things are bad. I've, you know, you need to take a break every now and then. That's fine. You don't go to church every week. Who cares? It's not about that. But it it is an exhausting thing because we are fighting our way and swimming upstream, living in a world that everything is just so opposite from what we feel like God has for us and how he teaches us to be. And so until we get to heaven, it's like, whew, you know, finally, there's not going to be any anger and fear. It's just, it's all going to be love and peace. And, you know, we're going to be with God and you're not going to deal with all this crap that we deal with and all these news stories. I mean, goodness, like I see all the time, these articles about just terrible things that happen to children and animals. And it's just like, there's just so much evil in this world. And I'll say this, I'll make a point about that. I do not believe that anyone is bad or evil. Let me say that again. I don't believe that anyone is bad. I believe that there is a spirit of evil in that person. Because why would God love somebody that goes and murders, you know, children all the time or abuses them sexually or, you know, people that kill and murder people, right? Like all these horror stories that we read about in the news. There's a spiritual, there's an evilness there. There's, that is a spiritual battle that that person has lost, honestly. And I don't believe, I just, in my heart, I can't come to hate those people. I know that's so hard. But like, geez, you even had the people um, at the AME church in Charleston when that Dylan Roof guy went in there and shot up all those people. It was just terrible. It was such a tragedy. And even in his uh, court appearance, you had family members from that church that lost people. And they looked him in the face and they said, we forgive you. I forgive you. I'm sorry, y'all, but only God can do that. (laughs) Only God can do that because they knew that Dylan Roof is not some evil person. He made terrible choices. Satan got into his head and there was a spiritual battle there that Dylan lost. And I don't have all the answers to all that. And I, you know, I didn't mean to offend anybody if, if me saying that, well, you know what? I'm sorry. I don't care if I offended you because we cannot go through life thinking that people are good and bad. God is good. Satan is bad. And we're just all living in that playing field. And you got to decide what team you're going to play on. And so when we do start to feel exhausted, it's okay. You know, it's almost like we immediately have these feelings of, oh, God, I'm sorry, I shouldn't be exhausted because I love you and I want to live for you. And these are good things. and I'm so sorry. Like, it's all right to be exhausted. God knows your struggle. He knows your thoughts. He knows the world we live in. Jesus walked it. He knows what we deal with. He's been through just about everything that we're going to go through. He knows it's exhausting. And saying that it's exhausting to live a godly life is not denouncing God. It's okay to live your emotions and feelings and give those to the Lord. But if we're not careful with those thoughts, yeah, take a breather, take a break, you know, renew, refresh yourself. But 
Also, also ask yourself, did those thoughts of exhaustion come because I really, am I really just spinning my wheels? Or did those thoughts come because Satan put them in your head? He is always looking to sever your relationship with God. He's wanting to win you over to his side. And if you can always remember that, then you can be equipped to know what to do with those thoughts when they do come. And I'll say this, you know, if you feel like you've gone through attack after attack after attack, then Satan is targeting you for a reason. He doesn't go after people that aren't making a difference in the kingdom of God. He knows how to make it look like you've talked yourself into something. He knows your weaknesses. He knows how to fool you. If you just feel like you're coming out of attack after attack, like I'm telling you, let that be a source of strength and confidence because God's put something on you that Satan is trying to take off. And really, like when you stop and put on your spiritual glasses, you can start to clearly see why he's attacking those things in the first place. You know, why he's doing that in your life. Like some problems come out of nowhere and you start to think, you know, oh, these are underlying issues. But are they? He knows how to take all your annoyances and your flaws and turn them around and make them seem like bigger problems in your life. And then bring about division. I mean, he's even doing it in the church. Church isn't an off limits for him. We see it every day. But, you know, that's why we can't put our faith in a church or in a pastor because churches and pastors, they're just ways to nurture your relationship with the Lord. They're not meant to be your entire relationship. You know, I can't put faith in a person or an idea, right? You got to put faith in the one that's behind those things. And that's God, because God is the only one who can represent himself truly. So now that we know more about how Satan works, we know what to look for. We know how to recognize his schemes in our life. We know how to call him out and extinguish his power over our lives. And we can also rest in the fact that we know that Satan and everything he has his hand in will be defeated once and for all one day. That all of Satan's handiwork and his games and his lies, they're all going to be exterminated forever. But until that day, while we still have to deal with his temptation and his presence, very real presence in our lives while we are on this earth, we can look to God as our safety. That we're safe from Satan with Jesus by our side. That even as he still continues to shoot his fiery arrows at us, we can stand up against him because the Lord is our shield. So before we go, I wanted to share this with you. This episode was inspired by a real conversation Jonathan and I had in the car. And we started talking about this topic and I just pressed record to capture it and, um, you know, get some ideas for this episode. And I wanted to share this with you so that you could hear our real honest thoughts. These are good conversations to have with our spouses, with our family, with our friends, to not just hold each other accountable, but also to make the spiritual aspect of life, the spiritual side of things real to us. Take a listen.
that's the truth. Everything in your life is a spiritual battle. Everything. And now that I look and I see everything that's happened since transplant, it's like I can see the attacks of the enemy. And it's taken me going back to church, getting back in the presence of God with other believers and feeling that again. And now us talking, what you just said, like it, it took all of that for me to see what's happened over the last few months and how it's all a spiritual thing. It's all Satan trying to distract and Satan trying to take away and discourage and question. And even like through just not wanting to do things because I'm tired, you know, I'm tired of reading my Bible, I'm tired of praying, I'm tired of going to church, I'm tired of, of singing and leading worship, like, sometimes being a Christian is like the most exhausting thing, but then it's like, well, am I doing it out of myself, or am I doing it out of my love and my relationship to the Lord, and, but I mean, it's not easy, it's, a, it's not an easy life to live. It's so much easier to just do the things you want to do and live the way you want to live. You know, because that's there's a lot of things I could do that they're sinful. Right? I mean, we've had that conversation before. It's like, I could be a totally different Brittany without the Lord. So it's like you're having to constantly die to those things on a daily basis, and that can be tiring. You know, it can be really exhausting even doing it the right way since the transplant it's like I have told you before that it's like I kind of feel guilty sometimes like I don't it's like I don't forget what the Lord did and, and that's why I love that we sang great is thy faithfulness you know because he is faithful he's always been faithful he will always be faithful but it's like your emotions change so much Yeah. we're so wishy-washy and I definitely me. So it's like, like, like what we were talking about the other day, where it's like, you think in the hospital room, you're just like, you're feeling the goodness of God, and you're just so like, on cloud nine, and you think, oh man, my life's gonna be so different now. But it's like, then you get back to the real world, and you get back to your your routine and your new normal, and it's like, dang, now life happens all over again. You still have struggle, even though. I got a new liver and the liver disease is gone and all that. There's still struggle. There's still issues. You know, it's just something else. You know, it's like now it's, you know, working on our marriage and, you know, our intimacy and those kinds of things. Like totally not the same problem, but there's always problems. There's always up and downs in life. It's never, you know, just, okay, God answers your prayer and it's all great. You know, like what we talk about with, um, the song glory to glory that we love it's like you really do go from glory to glory you know god shows his glory in, in a way and then you go through something else and he shows his glory in a different way and it's like your whole life is just an up and down roller coaster and that's just life i guess but it's like it's amazing how being back in the presence of god can just help you to see clearly it brings clarity and like now i see why I've been feeling the way I've been feeling the last few months because it's a distraction from Satan. You know, it's like, 100%. now it's like I can almost, even just sitting here talking to you, feel myself like getting fiery again, fired up again. It's just like, 
makes me angry when I realize what has happened and then I see that I've allowed him to manipulate me. But really, like, we are, we are no match for Satan. Like, he will overpower us every single time. The only way that we defeat him is with the Lord in us and leading us and anointing us and strengthening us. Like, you have no chance against Satan on your own. <laughs> so when you're not plugged into that source and making that a priority in your life every single day, then you you get disconnected from that and then Satan just pounces on that and comes in and you know wreaks havoc and then before you know it you're like crap what happened oh now I see what happened it's almost like he blinds you and then somehow God like wipes away the blinders and you're like oh crap look what look what just happened the last few months <laughs> so I don't know that's that's been difficult for me is being consistent in my walk with God because you know, it's like, it's a, it's a roller coaster. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for people that can be completely loyal and, you know, stand on their commitment and, like, always do what they say they're going to do and never seem to be tired of it. Like, I get so tired of things so easily. So you're, like, constantly having to fight against your flesh and the things that you don't want to do and, you know, your frustrations and all that. Yeah. You know, it, it's such a spiritual thing. We can't go through our life being weirded out by like spiritual yeah. things. And then you know, we were talking the other day in the kitchen about you know it's, it's understandable that our relationship has been hindered or whatnot from what we've been through the last year and a half. Yeah. Whenever, you, whenever I think about it, and actually really, really think about it, the last year and a half have, have, has brought us closer than ever. Yeah. You know, so. It has. I mean, so it's like, why is this happening? Right. Like, they're the devil lying to us again, saying, hey, you guys have been through a lot now. It's, it's okay that yeah. you guys aren't so, Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, he's sneaky. He's a sneaky snake. He's good at what he does. People don't give Satan enough credit because nobody ever wants to talk about that. But isn't that true? Like, he's good at what he does. He knows how to destroy things. He knows how to steal things from you. He knows how to completely thwart your thoughts and mind. He knows how to make it look like you talked yourself into something. <laughs> like, he knows what he's doing. So that's why we're a no match to him without God because... He's been a deceiver for a long time now, and he knows what to do, and he knows the buttons to push, he knows the weaknesses that we have, and like, you know, when you do stop and think about it and put on like your spiritual glasses, you can really see clearly why he's targeting certain areas of our life. Because, yeah, when you sit and dissect like what we've been through, why we might feel the way we do, like it doesn't make any sense. Because, you know, even like, I feel like sometimes problems come up out of nowhere. But, like, it makes you feel like, oh, it's been some underlying issue for so long. Like, has it? Maybe. But even Satan knows how to take those little annoyances and flaws and twist them around and make it a, a huge problem in your life. Right. You know, like, 
and bring about division and differences. I mean, hell, he does that in the church. You know, all the frustrations we have about church. It's like, those things aren't really a big deal. But they, all these little things add up and it becomes a big deal. And then it makes you not want to go to church. And then you withdraw from the community and the presence. You know, a group presence of God. And it's like, man, before you know it, you just, you're turned off by church. You're, you know, you don't want to have anything to do with it. And God is not church. Church is just a way to gather and to be moved together in his presence. You know, there's an importance to attending church, but God is not the church. Right. So it's like even in even in church godly things, Satan like gets in there and like makes it seem like it's something else going on and causes the confusion and like he's just so he's so good at like making things look different than what they really are. You know, it's like if we, if we really like studied him, you know, we would learn a lot by like how he, how he works and the things that he does and like, yeah, he definitely is smarter than we give him credit for and he has more power than we give him credit for. And I think that's why it's so important that we stay connected to God, you know, through our personal relationship and also like our community and our relationships and you know being in a church that you know is spirit filled and you know teaches the bible and biblical principles and things like that mm-hmm. like it's so important so it explains why some of the issues we've had have come up because we haven't really been connected yeah You know, even COVID itself kind of disconnected us. And it's like, if you're not careful, something that was necessary, like COVID, right? Everybody needed to quarantine and all that. But even like Satan can get in that and say, okay, you know, I can make you think that you still need to quarantine, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you've got to take precautions. But like, that can become an isolation really quick. Right. You know, like a pandemic like that, it's like, just a few weeks out of church can change so much in your life because you have to be fed spiritually on that weekly basis and even a daily basis you know it's like that's why you feel better after you go to church because it's like a renewing of your mind it's a refreshment for that week and and it's you know a kickstarter for what you should be doing you know on a daily or you know a few times a week kind of a you know basis but it's like even even Satan can get in there and be like, oh, well, this COVID thing, you still need to stay away. Like staying away, it's a, it's a balancing act. Like if you stay away too long and you become disconnected, it completely changes your world, your world around. You know, like... That's what I think. I agree. It's a very isolating thing. Mm-hmm. If he knows that he can isolate you, then he's he's got a hold of you already. Sure. 
Well, my AT beers, I hope you enjoyed season two. Until next time, ciao, sayonara, arrivederci, adios, tschüss, goodbye.